Welcome to Let's Open the Bible, where our goal is to open the Bible and look at what it says. For the next few minutes, we will be looking at a passage from one book. We will continue weekly until we finish that book. I'm Tom Nordstrom, and with me is Phil, Casey, and Nate. Alrighty, welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Let's Open the Bible. Uh, We have finished James, and we are now in the book of Ephesians. Uh, So today's reading or text we're going through is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Uh, Bill, do you want to read that for us? Yes, sir. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us, on us, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. Okay. One thing uh, I see in this uh, reading is Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the word apostle simply means one who is sent. And uh, we see Barnabas called an apostle at one point in the book of Acts, although um, I don't know of any place where he is actually listed as one who is specifically chosen for this uh, position. We see Jesus selecting 12 apostles, and in Matthew chapter 10, and in Mark chapter 3, and also Luke chapter 6, uh, we see a listing of all the apostles there. And Luke 6.13 tells us, And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named as apostles. And then it goes on and and gives the names of those people, but he gives them that special title. And uh, Paul identifies himself as an apostle here uh, in this uh, letter to the Ephesians. I don't think we see a specific appointment of Paul. Uh, There's no listing that, that says Paul is among the the apostles chosen by Jesus, but Jesus did say, I will send you, and eventually we see Paul many times identified as an apostle. Well, we see that in Acts when Saul is converted, well, convicted, that uh, he was appointed by Christ at that point. Um, what What I noticed right away in your reading is that 
right away, Paul identifies who is the um, recipients of the letter. It's to the saints. Um, a saint is somebody who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and has been bat- immersed into Christ and is part of the church. So right away, Paul is telling us this letter is for a specific group of people, not just the church in Ephesus, but for the, all the saints. And so really, if you're using Ephesians to try and convict, convince somebody to be a Christian, the and say, well, see, in Ephesians here, it says this. You, well, that doesn't apply to a non-believer. Although it is something that you can tell them that this is what you can be part of. Yes. But it's, you know, there, there are many times in Paul's letters that he says, you know, um, if you ask, your sins will be forgiven. Well, all of Paul's letters are directed, like Ephesians, to the, the saints in whatever town he's writing to. So, you know, yes, as somebody who is a Christian, I have certain rights that people who are not Christians do not have. Um, an example would be, a worldly example would be, as a citizen of the United States, I'm entitled to certain rights that somebody who is not a citizen of the United States can have. Um, I mean, they they have it from God, but they don't. Their nation may not recognize it that way. And this is what you know. So that's my point as far as what that goes. I think it's also interesting that we see uh, Paul clarifies not only to the saints who are in Ephesus, but he uh, clarifies the faithful in Christ Jesus, um, which I don't. That's kind of new to me. Um, I know, or I think, in other books that Paul writes, his greeting is pretty standard and normal across all books, but I don't know. It might be unique to Ephesians where he says, the faithful uh, in Christ Jesus, um, which is interesting uh, that there's a a clarification there. Um, But also I think there's a major point when when he says, in Christ Jesus. Uh, I think the in Christ which I'll point out in a minute as we go through, I think the the phrase, in Christ, is a huge point in the book of Ephesians. In fact, I think that's what the whole book of Ephesians is about, is this is what it looks like to be in Christ. Um, so anyway, that the faithful in Christ Jesus, I think, is uh, very significant here. That word saint is related to the word sanctified, and it's also related to the word holy. And all of those words are rooted into the idea of being set apart as, as something special. Like uh, a lady has uh, her nice dishware set aside for special occasions. Okay, and uh, these people, these saints, are those who are set aside by God as his own people. People who've come to Jesus, and so God marks them or sets them aside as his special people. Okay, one more thing I'd like to mention is in his greeting, he says grace and peace. It's interesting that um, the Jewish greeting, the common Jewish greeting was peace. I think the word is shalom or something like that. And uh, for the Romans, their typical greeting was grace. 
whatever their language, Latin, whatever that word is in Latin. And so Paul opens up uh, most of his epistles with both of them. He gives them the Roman form and the Jewish form. So whoever's reading, uh, a Jew or a non-Jew, they're getting a greeting that uh, they are familiar with. Anyone else? Uh, in the whole reading? All right, I'll bring something up. What about predestination? I think that's important to discuss here. We see we were predestined um, for adoption, and that kind of brings up a maybe a predicament, a theological uh, situation <laughs> that we need to figure out. It definitely brings up a predicament because... Uh, there's a whole teaching that you know you're pre um, a person is predestined to go to heaven or to hell it doesn't matter what you do and that totally flies into in the face of everything the bible teaches whether it's old testament or new testament it's always predicated on our response to god not well you're saved you could be the to use a historical figure, um, Emperor Nero, well, he's going to go in heaven because he's predestined to be saved. Well, if you know anything about Emperor Nero, he was not a nice guy. And he did some very, very, very wicked things. It'd be like saying Hitler, like an yeah, equivalent. Hitler. Yeah. Hitler um, think of any of your bad, really bad people. Well, if they're, the teaching is if they're predestined to go to heaven, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And yet that's not anything that the Bible teaches at all. The doctrine of predestination, just to clarify, is uh, basically God, you know, before the beginning of time, God had everybody lined up would be the visual of it. I don't know if this is what they actually claim, but it just numbers people off. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell. You go, you don't, you go, you don't, and it doesn't matter what you do or the way that you live. If you were predestined, you're, you know, the elect, what they would say, you're in. And if you're not, sorry, you're out. Um, and that's, a lot of that doctrine comes probably from Ephesians chapter 1, what we just read, but that causes some big uh, issues. If, if we believe that that's how salvation works, we've got some serious kinks to work out. Just like Tom, you know, one of those things is, Tom mentioned it, what about the wicked people? Um, because our salvation is and the whole bible is teaches that our salvation is predicated upon our response to god uh, not our predestination so that's one thing and i've got more things to throw in bill yeah go ahead um it could be argued and i'm with you guys i don't believe in the concept of predestination like a lot of people uh talk about but someone could argue that people like nero and hitler must not have been predestined. Yeah. Look at the lives they lived. No, they, they were not predestined. But those who are living better lives, they must have been predestined. Mm -hmm. The idea is that you really don't have a choice. If you were predestined, then God arranges for you to live a good, holy life. And if you are not predestined, then you're not going to be one of those people. You're going to be a Hitler or a Nero or somebody. Mm -hmm. And But the main idea there is it's not the person's individual choice. God made the choice, and then uh, you have no choice but to live according to what God predestined you to do. And that's what I don't believe. There are too many scriptures that talk about how we need to make the choice. Yeah. Uh, there are yeah. scriptures that talk about the importance of 
taking the gospel message out to the lost. But that would not be necessary if God already predestined people. That would be already taken care of. So that flies in the face, as you mentioned, Tom. I, I, um, I seem to recall someplace, and I think Paul wrote it, that it was the foreknowledge of God. And I, I'm wondering if when the translators translated the Bible into English, one place they, they said the foreknowledge, and then in another place in Ephesians particularly, they kept saying predestined. Um, because foreknowledge makes much more sense in the context of the, of the rest of the Bible because, you know, God can know something before it happens because he's God. And that's totally different than uh, you're predestined to do something. There is a scripture uh, which says, and I don't know where this is located, but it says, those he foreknew he predestined. Okay, and I think that clarifies things. God knew in advance who was going to obey, who was going to be faithful. And with that knowledge, God predestined them. But it was based upon their choice. God knew what they would choose to do. Nate, did you have something? Yeah. I think the there's a pronouns are very important. Um, in school, we used to, you know, get our colored pencils out and our Bibles and trace pronouns, pronoun being me, we, you, us, all those words referring to people, and we have to know who those words are referring to, and whenever we know that, uh, it helps us tremendously understand what's going on in the text. So, if we look at the pronoun, it might get technical for a second, but in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, or we can start in verse 4, even as he chose us, there's a pronoun, in him, so he, you know, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we another pronoun should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus so at first glance it seems like God picked me to be in he picked someone else to be out I mean that's what it looks like on the surface but who are these pronouns referring to the us, the us, if we trace it back up in the text, it's referring to this greeting that we talked about earlier, those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So, God, it seems like what, I've, what I understand in this text is we get to choose whether we are going to be faithful in Christ Jesus or not. We get to pick whether we're going to be part of that uh, party or not. God has chosen that everyone who everyone who's faithful to Christ Jesus, they're in. But we get to choose whether we be a part of the group that's faithful to Christ Jesus or not. So, yes, God is predestined that the church is going to be um, adopted to him as a son would be adopted, uh, but he does not choose who is going to be in the church. Does that, does that make sense? Does that, do you guys see that? Yeah, we could say he does choose, but he chooses based on our choice yes. to come to Jesus. Yeah. You know, that it's interesting, he, uh, and just this really just came to me, he uses the word adoption, and um, I have what I refer to as my adopted family. I am not adopted by any stretch of the imagination, but there is there was a family in Denver, Colorado, who they kind of took me under their wing, and you know, I actually started referring to the mom as mom and so you know it 
it was really interesting. I'd left there, and after you know, a year or two, I went back and visited them. And when they, when the dad introduced me because I was getting up, and getting ready to do something at the church, he introduced me as his son, and it was like, oh, okay, this is you know, it's complete. And and it was a mutual adoption. You know, I could have said they were my adopted family. But when they started referring to me as their adopted son, it was a mutual adoption. You know, no paperwork was ever done, and you know, but it was. So that's kind of like what's happening here, and in, in with what Paul is referring to as God's doing to us, He's willing to adopt us, but we have to be willing to adopt Him in our lives. Okay, I have some other things I wanted to look at here in this scripture. We see Jesus as the focal point of all things. Uh, it talks about how things are summed up. Uh, the phrase, I believe, is the summing up of all things in Christ. And when you look at the Bible, you see in the Old Testament, in so many different scriptures, it talks about how someone is coming. That's a major theme in the Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, uh, we see the message saying that that one is now here. And everything that God has been doing comes together in Jesus Christ. And Ephesians chapter 1 here is pointing that out. And I, I can continue here. This reading tells us several things that we have in or through Jesus Christ. Verse 3, every spiritual blessing. That's something we have in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, it says God chose us in him. So God's choosing of us comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 5, God adopt, adopted us as sons through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, God freely bestowed his grace on us in Jesus Christ. And verse 7, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins in him. And then God made, no, made known to us the mystery of his will in Jesus Christ. So all these things come in or through Jesus Christ. Everything sums up in Jesus. Drawing the two, uh, parallel between those, um, what you just said, or the whole of what you said, and uh, again, I've, I am very horrible about, I know what the Bible says, but I don't know exactly where it says it. And I remember, I believe it's Paul again, who says, in the fullness of time, Christ came. And I, I always... That was one of those verses that always glossed over and over and over, and it never really dawned on me until recently. It's in Ephesians. Verse 10. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe that's why it sounded so familiar. But no, in the fullness of time, Christ came. Well, God had to remember. Um, Christ came for the whole world, and the whole world had to be prepared for Christ. Well, if you look at the Roman Empire, there was a universal language, Greek. Um, not everybody, not everybody everywhere spoke Greek, but enough people around the world spoke Greek that they would have been able to translate it to another language. It was very widely spread. Um, there was a massive trade route, what we know as the Silk Road. Uh, you know. The Romans had a huge highway system, even though they didn't have cars, but, you know, they, 
one of the things you had to do as a pro protectorate of the Roman Empire is you had to build a road so that the legions could march to get to wherever they needed to. And so, you know, we have everything that was needed for Christ to go out into the world had to be put in place and it kind of accumulates in with the Roman Empire. You know, we had a common language, we had a massive road and distribution network, we had, you know, all of these things that just had to be right. If if Christ had shown up during the Babylonian uh, Empire, well, none of that was set up at that point, or the Assyrian Empire, or going further back to Hittite Empire, you know, all these other, there was no universal language to help spread the gospel. And yet, during the Roman Empire, you know, a good portion of the world's population was able to bring the gospel and even, you know, even a, um, a caravan on like the Silk Road, yeah, the Roman Empire may or may not have had direct contact with the Han Empire, which was the Empire of China, but there were people at the end of the Silk Road or along the way that would have had contact with both sides, you know, so it was, so the gospel went, I believe it's Jude who says that the gospel has gone out all over already. Well, it did. It and had Colossians. Colossians okay. says the same sort of thing too. Yes. You know, so it 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 was the Roman Empire was perfect timing for that to happen, and it it just it's always amazing. It it amazes me when you know I read verses like that. You know, in fullness of time, and it just never dawns on me. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, look, look at this. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of gems like that in Scripture. Nate, do you have anything to add? I was going to say Galatians 4.4 4 is the same same concept. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin. I, uh, that's the one I was actually thinking of. So. I'll add, Bill, you were mentioning all these spiritual blessings. We see uh, just a big, long list of all of these things that the faithful in Christ Jesus receive. And we see redemption and grace and forgiveness and inheritance and just i guess inheritance isn't in, it's in verse 11 but just this long list and i think if we had all the time in the world we could go through and explain the how cool each of those individual words are but we don't have time but uh it's interesting that some of those things we don't like we don't feel those things it doesn't we don't feel or like we can't hold redemption in our hand like they're not tangible things per se but that's the point they're spiritual blessings uh, there's a whole realm you know the realm that god is in it things are happening that we can't see um and so we have redemption we can't see it but god recognizes it um and that's a cool thing but it's also maybe a challenging thing that we don't we receive these things now, but we don't see them in the sense that we maybe we want to see them. Um, but all these spiritual blessings, they're spiritual. And they're not in this world. They're not physical things that we receive, um, but spiritual things that we receive. But they all happen uh, in whenever we're in Christ Jesus. So I mentioned how in Christ Jesus was significant. We see in verse 3 in Him. We see in verse 7 in Him. We see in verse 6 in the Beloved. We see... 
um, in verse 9, in Christ, and again in verse 10, in the Beloved, or sorry, in Him. So there's a whole scattered throughout this text we read is in Him, in Him, him in Christ, in the Beloved. All of this is possible whenever we are in Christ. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's what I have to add. I'm done. Okay, it's interesting you, you talked about the, um, uh, how these things are intangible. You know, we can't see them. We can't hold them. And there's a scripture that says, uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, which says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, we just finished the book of James, which we discussed several times. This is a spiritual thing. This is a temporal thing. And James really hit home the fact that quit focus on the temporary, the, the worldly stuff. Focus on the spiritual stuff. Um, that's where you'll find, really, that's where you'll find peace and grace and happiness. You, you don't find it. You don't find it in the temporary stuff of this earth, and it's we call it temporary because that's exactly what it is. Um, I just bought a new toy. I'm enjoying it right now, but eventually, it's not going to be a new toy anymore. It's going to be an old toy, and I'll still enjoy it because I, I bought it and I enjoy what I bought. Um, but it, I, it's like. I want something else. Let's, let's, in fact, I'm already doing that, but, <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it's just like, a, you know, James, we need to look at the spiritual and not the physical. The physical needs to be minimized, and, yeah. uh, and not that we shouldn't be involved with anything from the world, but our focus needs to be on the spiritual. That's all I have to add. I'm, Same here. I'm good. All right. Well, we uh, appreciate you for listening uh, to Season 2, Episode 1, Starting Ephesians. We hope you'll stick with us uh, through this book. And as, as always, we like to end with kind of an invitation to you. Uh, maybe the, the book of Ephesians has convicted you as you've been listening uh, to, to God's Word, and you want these spiritual blessings, and you feel a longing for... Uh, being in Christ. Maybe that's a void that you feel. Um, and if that's the case, we hope you'll reach out to us, um, email us, text, call uh, the church, let us know, and we can uh, help you in any way that you need. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Let's Open the Bible podcast. If you have any questions, want to talk about the next steps in your faith journey, or are interested in receiving our daily Bible verse which corresponds to the content of this podcast, feel free to reach out to openthebible2022 at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue our study together. Have a great day.